We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, I'm Kayla. As a mom working from home, life is crazier than ever, especially on days like these. But I'm still ruling my day thanks to Metro. Metro gave me an awesome phone and tablet. Now my son can get his homework done on the tablet without needing to borrow my laptop. Plus, with Metro, Amazon Prime is included, so I can access great deals and discounts on school essentials and get them delivered in no time with unlimited free shipping, all while keeping an eye on my son to make sure he finishes his online practice tests before he starts watching his favorite Amazon originals. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch to Metro, the number one brand in prepaid. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices with one Amazon Prime membership included for just $75 a month. Metro by T-Mobile, rule your day. I'm Kayla, and that's how I rule my day with Metro. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members on select rate plans. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 a month cost. Restrictions apply. From the shores of Malibu where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China and back to the streets of Wichita, Kansas, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show where we talk about what you think about but maybe you're afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time. Everything you can possibly think about, current events, film, TV, UFC, all the stories in the news, politics, President Trump, you name it, everything is talkable because this is no holes barred radio, folks. That's called NHB Radio. So here we are to voice what you think about, but maybe afraid to voice yourself. Do not worry. We are about to do it for you. I'm here with my co-host, TJ DeSantis. Hi, TJ. What's up, Buff? How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm back from, uh, of course, the big UFC in Vegas, UFC 235. We'll touch on that on the show, if not right now. But uh, to my knowledge, from what I'm seeing in a picture, you're in a beautiful area of the world. It looks like... At Metro, you get everything you need to rule your school year. Right now, get a new phone and tablet on us when you switch. Plus, enjoy high-speed data on both devices for just $75 a month. And with one Amazon Prime membership included, you can watch Amazon Originals, movies and shows, stream endless music, and enjoy free shipping. Metro by T-Mobile. Rule your day. With new lines of service after rebate redemption plus sales tax and activation fee. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime is a $12.99 a month cost. Restrictions apply. You're on an island somewhere. Where are you and what are you doing? I am in Fort Walton Beach, Florida for Mm. Island Fights 53, which when people hear this, it already will have happened because it's uh, Wednesday night. The show airs on uh, Thursday. So go check it out on demand right now at UFC Fight Pass. But uh, yeah, I'm uh, in a beachfront hotel looking over the Gulf of Mexico and it's amazing. But you know this better than anyone, Buff. Like I'm sitting here in paradise, but... I'm alone. You know what I mean? I, my, my wife and kid are back at home and, you know, going to work and going to school. And it, it's great to see the world, but it's kind of disappointing at the same time because I don't have anyone to share with. 
Yeah, welcome to the party, pal. Because yeah, that's <laughs> I, I mean, uh, don't cry for me, like as you always say, don't cry for me, Argentina. But like, uh, you know, some of our listeners that that travel, I'm sure, know that feeling. And if you don't travel, uh, let me tell you, it's it's great to see the world, but there's no place like home. And sometimes you wish you could bring home with you. Which twofold does two things. First off, you know, the sacrifice is made by all people on the road, whether it's John Anik, yourself, me doing all the UFCs and many other appearances that I do, you know, 35 to 45 weeks out of the year and missing the weekends and weekdays. There's sacrifices. Might not sound like that much to the listeners because they're thinking, oh, wow, you get on a plane, you sit in first class, you go to the other side of the world. Yes, it is amazing. Right. But. Well, you, you are sit in first class. I don't have Bruce Buffer's contract. I sit in coach. But uh, had I had you negotiate this contract, maybe I'd be in first class. Oh, well, renewals do happen, sir, <laughs> and I'm here to help you. And we'll take care of that real quick because talent should always be rested and ready to roll as well as fighters and other talent in the show associated with it. You know me. I want all fighters to make a million bucks. I want everybody working to fly first class. It's just a overall attitude I have. But – you know, if for people listening, we're touching on this now. We've touched it on the show before. But, yeah, it affects relationships. Obviously, you're married with a child. You know, it's uh, everything involved. Um, your weekends cut, days out. I, I'll come home sometimes. I have two days, maybe three days to, right. and you know, to do on, what I need to do. Honestly, too, when you come back from a, a trip, especially if it's in a different time zone, you almost need a day and a half to get back to your normal life. And, uh, you know, sometimes you don't even have that much time before you're back on the road once again. Hey, the last four weeks for me have been Australia, Phoenix, Vegas. Uh, where else did I go? Oh, I went to Prague. I mean, it's like there's an old movie that came out I mentioned before on the show. It's called If It's Tuesday, This Must Be Belgium. And that's the way it feels sometimes. You wake up to that, where, uh, where am I? Right. Seriously. Yeah. And you've been there. You've been there. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, all, sure, but it's, all that uh, being said. Again, we could have again, a worse life, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, listen, it's a blessed life. I wake up every morning honored and happy and humbled about being uh, one of my key roles in life and what I work because, you know, I'm multi varied ventures in my business here at Buffer Enterprises, but UFC obviously is what I live for. And uh, I love it, and I'm lucky, and I kiss the ground every day I can wake up and say on the voice of the octagon. What a UFC we had over the weekend. My goodness. Ho, uh, ho, uh, ho. Uh. I want to save a couple of these uh, stories from 235 for our special guest, Michael Babcock, the TMZ producer and friend of the show, is coming on to talk, and we're going to cover a lot of stories courtesy of TMZ as we go over this with Michael. But you know, before we do, I want to ask you a question. Um, the first question that came out of this exciting show I mean, you had Munoz and Garbrandt go at it, uh, Johnny Walker, who looks amazing. Um, but then again, you know, he does his celebration, his worm <laughs> celebration, and minorly hurts his shoulders. A report came out today. But, you know, TJ, when football players jump in the air in the end zone, and my Dr. Elitrosh, who did Tom Brady's knee, who repaired my ACL, uh, uh, George St. Pierre's ACL, one of the first things he told me when I went in, when I blew my second knee ACL, is he said, Bruce, got to tell you something. That little jump you did? is similar to exactly what football players do in the end zone. And I can't begin to tell you how many ACLs get ripped and torn as a result. And it's one of the most common injuries in football. And there you go. A celebratory dance or whatever, but in this case, falling on the ground at 6'6", doing the worm. Um, no need for that after such a glorious performance. But luckily, it's a minor injury, and they claim we'll be back in a month. All things good. Yeah, that's uh, good to hear because uh, the division needs him. Uh, the UFC fans want him, and uh, it's, it's, I mean, despite the injury, it's a good time to be Johnny Walker. 
He's got star written all over him. I hope his ground game matches his top game. But those flying knees he throws are as quality as John Jones, if not even better. I'd be obviously we all would like to see him fight John Jones. Let's give it a little bit of time. Right, but I mean, I'm happy you bring up John Jones because he reminds me so much of when John first came into the UFC. Like we didn't know exactly how good John was going to be. We knew that he could hang in there and and you know beat some of the best and do it in an exciting way. And right now we don't know where like the the ceiling is for johnny walker but i i mean uh, it's not a low one i'll tell you that no it's not i think the future is golden for this gentleman there's a lot of other fighters on the card that really really stood out of course the diego sanchez mickey gall fight um that was a definite brawl for it all diego what is about diego tj what is the resurgence you know they I What's mean, going on? It's it, we talked about it last week when we recorded. Uh, Mickey Gall was a significant favorite against Diego Sanchez, and I'm sorry, you can't overlook experience and you can't deny heart. And Diego Sanchez has more of those two things than most fighters that step in the octagon. No offense to anyone else, it's just you're not Diego Sanchez, and uh, you know, for a lot of people, maybe they don't necessarily want to be Diego Sanchez because of where he's at in his career, and you know, he's sort of the quote-unquote old generation, but man, there, there's that old saying, sometimes they don't make him like they used to, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if they make many people like Diego Sanchez. No, I don't. I, I could honestly say I don't think so either. And even during my introduction, the way he was acting and the commission was kind of keeping him back in his corner and then he gets in my face and, you know, just really enjoying the intro from what I could see when I rewatched the show. It was very exciting for me um, to do that. It was very exciting for me to watch all these fights at the Jeremy Stevens to beat uh, Magomedsharipov, you know, that Zabit uh, now is probably a top 10 contender, really proving himself. I wrote on the shuttle back to the hotel. Very excited individual, but very, very all business. Zabit is all business. But how about Cody Stamen and Alejandro Perez? Oh, yeah. That. that, that they, got, I, they got the award. Alejandro, I wrote back with him also. Disappointed in himself. I told him, as I always say, to grand performances, you're an octagon warrior. We all know it. Uh, even in loss, you gain points, and you certainly gain points. And then I realized the next day they won the bonus. I was very, very happy for yeah. him. Very, I mean, very happy. It, it's always nice to see a guy that goes out there and gives it his all, and he comes up short, and he has 50,000 reasons uh, to not uh, change his fighting style. And Alejandro Perez has no reason to change or even really feel upset about that performance because it was truly one of the best fights, if not the best fight of the night. Exactly. And uh, how about these little interchanges between Mark Goddard and John Anik on Uh, Twitter? I mean, here's the problem. John Anik's job is to say what he sees, say what he feels, point out observations. Uh, If Mark Goddard is upset by that, I mean, I I don't know. I just think that when you're a referee, you, you have a very tough job. And one of the toughest jobs being a referee is you know kind of taking criticism when it's thrown your way you can do the best that you can do and you move on with your life and uh, it's not personal I don't think John Anik dislikes Mark Goddard by any means but you know Mark Goddard takes offense to it because it's you know criticizing his performance and no one likes to hear that they maybe didn't do the best job but uh, at the same time you know it's John Anik's job it's it's my job at times to point out things that you don't agree with and you know, we live, we learn, we move on, and hopefully Goddard can do just that. Yeah, exactly. For, um, and I agree. And, you know, the other thing is, is just like the referee, 
He is the sheriff. It's his opinion. We have to abide by it. John, John Anik is one of the finest commentators out there as you are yourself. It is your job to comment. Um, so, you know, people see it the way they see it. And it's a subjective matter. You know, when a referee decides that you should be broken apart or stood up or separated that, I mean, that's up to the referee. It's his discretion. I can argue, you know, subjectivity, but at the end of the day, it's still subjectivity. The fact is this, John Anik is authorized to speak his mind into a microphone during a live UFC broadcast. And Mark Goddard is authorized to make decisions inside the octagon. If Mark Goddard doesn't like what John Anik says, so be it. John Anik didn't necessarily like what Mark Goddard did. So be it. Like, I don't know. It should, I just don't respond. No offense to Mark Goddard, just don't respond. Because it's not anything that, like, John Anik's not going to be like, oh, you're right, I'm sorry. You know, like, what, what good does any of that do? Right, I agree. I agree. But, you know, it is what it is. John handles it very diplomatically. Um, uh, there's many more shows that are going to be working together. I don't foresee an issue. I just foresee no. people discussing their opinions. And Goddard's That's all a great ref. He's, he's a very good ref who controls the space. Just unfortunately, there are going to be times when not necessarily everyone agrees with what you're doing. I'm sure there's plenty of people that disagree with John Anakin thought Mark Goddard was doing the right thing. I, I'm not personally one of them. I think that especially in a championship fight, you got to let guys work. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, especially in this case. I mean, they could have separated Kamara Usman a hundred times from Tyron Woodley. Probably still was going to win that fight. That was Usman's night. Exactly. I agree. And we're going to touch on the uh, Lawler fight, um, of course, with Ben Askren. The craziest three minutes and 30 seconds I've ever seen in MMA. It's crazy. But let's bring on Michael Babcock. He's waiting for a call to come on the show. Uh, he just finished his show, and I'm uh, really excited to have him on. As we, he's a big friend of the show, and we'll talk about that because it's all been reported on TMZ, along with another other stories that our audience, of course, will always find interesting. And I will tell you about how Nate Diaz and I talked and saw each other Uh-oh. Saturday night without having to say bow down <laughs> for him or him bow down to me. It was wonderful seeing Nate. I'll touch on it with Michael, because, of course, they're the ones that put that story on TMZ, so let's just get a little TMZ'd. And it's my honor, my privilege, to have my friend and a friend of the show on TMZ's producer, or should I say the star of TMZ, Michael Babcock, the man of it all and the man with the hair for all. Hi, Michael. How are you? Bruce, how are you? Thank you for having me. Uh, Doing great. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I know you're a busy beaver working for TMZ. That's a 24-7 job. We all know about it. Um, you know what we're going to do here, Michael? Um, we're going to go over a couple things from the UFC Saturday night, which, by the way, did you have a chance to watch it? Absolutely. I wouldn't okay. miss that card. That was one of the best ever. Yeah, it was a crazy card. And then the stories are going to go over relation to TMZ. But for the first couple things, I always like to talk about these with respect to the people, their loved ones and families. But we had a couple passings um, of note this week. When I say of note, I meant that you've reported, of course, every passing is of note because everybody deserves to be respected and honored uh, for their roles in life. Absolutely. But um, the big one, it, when I say the big one, I mean referring to how big he was, but King Kong Bundy. And TJ, I know you're a big wrestling fan. King Kong Bundy, dead at 61. I always found him to be one of the more enjoyable wrestlers to watch, even when he famously battled Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania two. And you obviously at TMZ found this very important because you reported it also. Yeah, absolutely. I, I- you know, uh, we, we grew up watching King Kong Bundy, uh, just one of the best WrestleMania two, just a legendary performance against Hulk. And he was a big man. Obviously he was billed at six, four, almost 460 pounds. 
and uh, yeah, he unfortunately passed away. We've been working on this, trying to figure out why, how, what the cause was. It, it doesn't seem like there was any foul play or anything like that. Um, just possibly natural causes, but we're working on that. But sad news to wake up to this morning, to hear that one of our wrestling heroes passed. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, something the audience has to understand. It's one thing when you report somebody passed, but what I've noticed about TMZ is that you have, uh, you, you practice checking thoroughly notes, getting to people, getting back to you. I mean, people have to realize that, yes, sometimes, and in my case, of course, the titles of the articles can be embellished a little bit, but everything in that story is written exactly the way as you're reporting it, and you guys definitely, however you do it, kind of like when I go to the airport and you're waiting for me there, much less anybody else, I don't know how you guys do it, I can guess how you do it, but I admire you and praise you for how you get it done. How's that? (laughs) I appreciate that, Bruce. You always want to make sure you're right. But particularly when it comes to somebody's passing, because we are talking about death, something so serious, you just can't be wrong. So, one, you have to make sure that your information is solid, that everything is confirmed. You want to make sure you're sensitive to friends and family, because even though we watched him as a wrestler, there are obviously people that love that man and, uh, you know, have been, you know, friends of him for decades. So you want to make sure you're sensitive to those people. But at the same time, it is a news story, so you want to make sure you do make calls and you want to call the coroner and the police and make sure that there was no foul play. So, so there is a story there, and it's a, a fine line to walk because you want to be sensitive, but you also want to get the information out because it is a news story. Very well put. Thoroughly agree. Another pun, the person that passed, somebody that uh, we've all watched pretty much, anybody over the age of 30 who watched a TV show, 902 in Beverly Hills star Luke Perry. Uh, passes at the age of 52. He had a stroke. He didn't survive the stroke. Um, Horrible way to go at such a young age. And all I can tell everybody is, as a man at 61 years old, when you turn 50, as well as before, you should be getting your checkups every year. Um, A lot of people suffer from uh, fibrillation of the heart, which can lead to strokes, which can easily be taken care of if you ever find out you have it. As an example, whatever the reason, that's a very young age to, A, receive a stroke, or get a stroke, much less, God forbid, passing away. So my, my condolences and best wishes go out to the loved ones and families of King Kong Bundy and Luke Perry. A lot of people are very upset at the passing of Luke Perry because Luke I'm Perry, reading it. Bruce, it, you, you brought up 90210, and of course that's what he's most famous for and being a heartthrob. But even in the younger generation, with the the Riverdale show, which is on Netflix, which is a massive hit, and he played a, a really pivotal role on that show. So we know he had been on the 90210 hit show, massive star, had gone away for a little bit, but then had a resurgence in his career. And you say you got to get checked when you get above that certain age. You look at him, he looked like a, a, a strong, fit, healthy guy, and then he has the massive stroke on Wednesday. And it was sad because you we reported we broke the story that he had the the big stroke. But then we're told that when paramedics were at his house in LA, that he was responding to them, that he seemed to be okay. They transported him to the hospital. They sedated him in hopes that his brain would be able to heal itself. And then he just never comes out of that. So, uh, you know, you knew it was a serious story at first, but you thought that there was hope that he'd be able to pull through. And then when you hear earlier this week that he didn't make it, just devastating news. It is devastating news, and whatever the reasons uh, will come out. But I want to touch on something, and I'm not saying this was either of the gentlemen that passed issue. 
But one big issue is how we take care of ourselves. And a lot of the reasons that people suffer from this is the way that they're recreationally enjoying their lives and how they lead their daily lives. So just, again, this is not relating to these two passings, but I just want to give a little more health advice. There's five substances that are the most addictive substances in the world, which was documented in last month uh, in an article. And I know we can guess what they are, but I just want to give it out there. One is heroin. The opiate addiction going on in this country is creating a large increase of heroin addiction because of what the opiates do, uh, causing the level of dopamine in the brain's reward system to increase by up to 200. It's all these stats. Heroin, as we know, never touch it. Dangerous. If you do, you're playing with your life. Number two, cocaine. Cocaine is now on a resurgence again, recreational usage. It is a very dangerous drug, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous drugs out there. If you want to age quick or if you want to cause yourself health problems, God forbid anything else can come of that, stay away. Okay, the third, nicotine. We all know that nicotine causes death. Smoking cigarettes, need I say more? It's all been documented. It's all been talked about. Number four, and again, I, the drug companies in this country, the pushing of, of commercials, the doctors prescribing needlessly, which leads me to my true belief and backing of CBDs and what they do for the human body. Number four is barbiturates or downers, okay, to treat anxiety and induce sleep. Stay away from barbiturates. Turn to CBDs if you have this kind of issue. And number five, as much as I enjoy a fine glass of wine, as much as occasionally I enjoy a nice couple ounces or an ounce of, of fine bourbon or, you know, a good quality Johnny Walker uh, blue scotch, you know, because I like drinking fine whiskeys if Ooh. I ever choose to do that. You like that, huh? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's not red or black for Bruce. No, it's blue. <laughs> it's blue. I, I'll go with black and I'll even go with red. But I mean, for total comfort, when I choose it, give me the blue. Don't put ice in it. You're ruining the, you're ruining the drink. But it's alcohol. It's alcohol. It's just... I, one of my friends is the top cardiologist, the head cardiologist at Cedar sinai even says, if you drink two glasses of wine, you know, five days a week, you are still affecting your body. That's how bad alcohol is for you, you know? But again, it's a drink. However, we lead our lives, just everything in moderation, folks, everything in moderation. Health is one of those things, Bruce, where you don't appreciate it until you have something wrong with you. And then it's the only thing in the world that matters. Then you would give anything, money, whatever else you desire, you think you would desire when your health is gone. That's all you want is to be healthy again. Absolutely. So it's all about. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Bruce, I a long time ago before I worked at TMZ, before I came out here, I was in Jersey and I was managing a club and I had never even seen cocaine before. And I went and I was working in this club and it was all over the place. I was shocked that it seemed like everybody was doing cocaine, going in the bathroom. And it just blew my mind that, that so many people were, were, you know, partaking in it. It blew my mind. And and like you say, with the opiates, I've seen so many people, friends of mine who have taken the painkillers and it just leads down a, a dark terrible path yeah there's no upside there the only upside is when you you get that initial high and you're going through whatever you're feeling but in the long run if you want to age fast if you want to cause other issues for yourself well if cocaine and molly's is your way to do it and all that kind of stuff i know everybody's going to do what they do to test it but be careful folks be, be really right. careful yeah, aging fast is you you could hope for that because you you do too much of that stuff and, and maybe you don't age at all Exactly. I, I used to train to compete, as I always say. Now I train to get older. And nobody will understand that until you're like 50 or more. And then you'll begin to understand 
that everything you did early in life prepares you for later in life, but in later in life, what you did was not good to prepare for later in life, you are going to suffer consequences. No, Steph, most definitely. So, go ahead. No, wise words. It's something to keep in mind. Exactly. Now, getting back to UFC 235, we, we covered a few of the fights before you came on. I'm sorry about that, but one of the key things I say for you is the Robbie Lawler uh, Ben Askren fight, the debut of Ben Askren into the Octagon, the undefeated MMA uh, warrior, now an undefeated Octagon warrior. What a fight. What was your opinion, both of you, TJ and Michael? Michael, go first. Was that a premature stoppage or a rightful stoppage? Look, I watched. Robbie's right arm and it fell to the ground limp and at that point I think you got to stop the fight uh, you know if, if Mario Yamasaki's in there maybe he lets uh, Ben choke the life out of Robbie but I w- once I saw the arm go limp like that I stopped the fight I think it was a, a good stoppage in hindsight did it look like Robbie was okay and he came right to afterwards sure but th- that's with the, the benefit of hindsight I was surprised I thought that Herb who is obviously the gold standard when it comes to refereeing. I thought he might stop the fight initially during that onslaught where Ben was just taking shot after shot in the face. And I was surprised he didn't stop it at that point. But I, I think I think this, the stoppage was fair. I Okay, I'm not going to agree until I hear TJ's, <laughs> TJ's take. Well, if I would have been the referee, the fight would have been stopped at about 35 seconds and Robbie Lawler would have spoiled Ben Askren's uh, UFC debut. But... Uh, I mean, Herb did the right thing, letting the fight go as long as he did. I thought that Robbie's hand was limp. I thought he was out. Uh, if you look at the replay, he immediately put some weight on it. So he, he dropped it down in a w- weird way, but he, he was using it to support his weight. He then gave Herb a, a thumbs up. The way that they were positioned, Herb really couldn't see Robbie's face. He would have had to you know, get on his back and get underneath them like he was you know, changing the oil in a car. Uh, to, to adequately see uh, Robbie's face. I mean, it's a mistake. It, Herb did his best. Uh, right. You know, Ben Askren, it was interesting. Ben didn't want to let go uh, until Herb absolutely made him, which gave me the idea that Ben knew Robbie was still with it. Bottom line right. is this. It's the most exciting three minutes and 30 seconds I've ever seen in mixed martial arts. It was bananas. It was bonkers. And the rematch can probably headline a pay-per-view. It was amazing. But let's also be honest. There was a minute and a half left in that round. And Ben, he had a good hold. It looked like he was underneath the chin. He was not. He was on the mouth. He was, what, was where you could still choke somebody out, though. You, nah, no, nah, you can't choke somebody out when your your forearms you, across their jaw. You, you I mean, can, you, not not I with a bulldog choke, especially. Right. I mean, you can get a crush maybe uh, right. with a rear naked exactly. choke, but not not with a bulldog choke. A minute and a half left. I, I've heard, and Tyron Willie, who I'm sure we'll get to, he said once Ben gets you in that position, he's not letting go. His hold is so sure. strong. But consider the source. Tyron Woodley is Ben Askren's teammate, uh, probably helping <laughs> him out and campaigning for, for a rematch. I, I mean, this, the before, rematch needs to happen. I, I, I would love to see that. I hope they make that fight. I've heard Ben say that he's not interested in doing that again. He said, I didn't want to fight Robbie the first time. I don't think it was a good matchup for right. me. Doesn't sound like he's going to want to run it back, though. As a fan, I would love to see it. Again. I don't think he's going to have a choice, but uh, you know, either way, Ben Askren proved why he is one of the best 170 pounders in the world, and also I, I think Robbie Lawler proved that there's still a lot in that man's gas tank. Yeah, he's got some some mileage on him, but uh, Robbie Lawler's far from done. Agreed. Agreed. And and Dana White went public, but not mistaken, TMZ had it on their uh, site. 
that it, it's going to be an instantaneous rematch between Ben and Robbie because Dana does not agree with with uh, Herb's uh, stoppage. Yeah, I don't think Herb agrees with Herb's stoppage. I mean, he knew he made a mistake. But it's it, with me, look, we always look at officiating like this. And there are some calls like in the NFC Championship game. We're just like, what the hell were you doing? It's just a, a, a screw up. But this with the information that Herb had, I think he made the best call that he could have made. Yep. Sure. Looking back, I, I agree. Should have let the fight go on. But that's not the information that he had in that moment. In that moment, you make the best possible decision that you can. Stop the fight. Ben wins. Let's do it again. though. I'm with both of you. Yeah, agree with you completely. So let's touch on the Tyron Woodley fight. Uh, in this fight with Kamaru Usman, uh, Tyron even stated in the aftermath that some nights you go out, you got the game plan, but it doesn't come together in so many words. Usman very dominating in his uh, performance. Um, now, as far as the fight after that, I saw Dana walk over to Colby Covington, Covington during the actual fight. And I said to the person sitting beside me, Heidi Dean, I said, you know what? I bet Dana's telling him right now you have the next fight to whoever wins this fight. And if I'm not mistaken, that's exactly what's going to take place. But with that happening, the next day reported on TMZ at the New York, New York, if I'm not mistaken, um, there was a scuffle between Covington and Kamaru Usman. Um, Kamaru Usman being more of the aggressor, his manager, Ali, according to Covington, uh, Ali, how do I say that? Abdelaziz? Ali uh, Abdelaziz. Abdelaziz. Stating something to the effect of a very threatening statement to Covington on a personal level. I hated seeing this. I'll tell you why I hated seeing it. I understand the buildup of the fight. In this instance, it did not seem like Colby, from what I saw, was the instigator, as he so often is. Um, but there were kids and, and, and people around. And this is like not on the level of Conor McGregor attacking a bus at the Barclays Center necessarily, but this is not what we're all about. This is not the kind of publicity I love seeing for these great octagon warriors and what should be role models to the young and to the public. Right. Did, this, well, did, did this bother you guys? Yeah, especially the morning after you had this amazing event that was watched by so many people, and then to see those guys fighting it was at the palms actually bruce at the buffet oh okay you, you, you hear if you watch our video which has been watched by over a million a million and a half people at this point so people are interested in this yeah but you hear a buffet worker who is tasked with putting people in a line typically and getting them fed you know pleading like there are there are kids here stop guys uh you know that it was sad to see so in a way even though you're right i think the level of violence wasn't what it was with the Conor situation, but at least with the Conor McGregor Khabib situation, that was only fighters and and friends of the fighters. You didn't have civilians there where potentially a, a kid or a, a, a woman could have gotten hurt here just trying to get food at the Palms buffet. Agreed. Um, it kind of blew over, uh, but you know, in my opinion, there's too many instances like this happening. And I mean, just in the two or three that have happened in the last year, you know, even going back to the Habib Nurmagomedov, Conor McGregor fight aftermath, uh, to the Barclays Center thing. It's just, this is not what 23 plus years of my life, you know, loving and being, you know, a walking ambassador of the UFC. This is not what I want the public to see. Yeah. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but it's not what I want the public to see. Right. I think it's a double-edged sword because on its face, you don't like to see it, but do in a way, do I think it actually helps promote these fights? And do I think that that 
added even more juice to what uh, an Usman-Covington fight would be? Yeah, I do, right or wrong. I think people, they like when guys don't like each other and when there's a real disdain for each other. And I think that they would actually finally like to see them get their hands on each other. I agree, Bruce. It, it's sad. And I think the the sport and the UFC as an organization is, uh, is better than that and do a lot of great things. Uh, and it is unfortunate to see, but I, I do think it gets people excited about this potential, uh, the potential of this fight happening. Well, it does. And, um, but in the same respect, I mean, when I say, when I said it, but I also know that it sells and if a million and a half people are watching and 25% of them buy the pay-per-view as a result, that's a huge increase and it'll draw a lot of attention. Give me one second, gentlemen, Fred, thank you very much. I'm just on my podcast right now. Really appreciate this. Thank you, my friend. I'll close and lock everything when you walk out. Thank you. See you soon. Enjoy the read. Sorry, gentlemen. Um, my ADT technician was here working on some stuff on the security of the office. Okay. That's because you live in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what happens if any try anybody tries to enter it. You got about 25 seconds, gentlemen. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, uh, with that being said, let's go on to another story that came up. I want to get a, not get away from the UFC. I love the UFC. I'll talk about it all day long. I just think there's ways to promote fights and there's ways not to promote fights. But you know what? Agreed. We we live in a world where these kind of stories get people excited and they want to watch. And I'm sure you go down a, a a number of stories just in the last three weeks on your site TMZ, and that's where it reports a lot of it. So let's talk about another story: Canelo versus Floyd. According to Oscar De La Hoya, he claims that a Floyd Mayweather and everybody wants to fight Floyd like everybody wants to fight Connor because it all means the dollars. Even Floyd at his age and this point in his career. A $1.5 billion fight, they claim that would be, if they fight again. And that's what you're reporting. Oscar has a tendency to understate, but more so overstate things, as, as shown in the past. Um, he's claiming, uh, basically, when Canelo and Floyd fought in 2013, uh, with Floyd dominating, he got a $41 million guarantee back then. So my question to you guys is, is back then... The same as now. Do you think Floyd still draws that kind of attention? And Canelo, who just recently signed a $160 plus million agreement with DAZN over the next five years, earning him some $35 million per fight. Do you really think in your minds that this would be a huge draw? Or is it just another example of the one to four super fights that potentially happen in boxing a year that draws everybody's attention in this day and age? I, I think it would be massive, Bruce. I think it could be the biggest fight ever, most watched fight ever. Just because... People love watching Floyd, but what they want to see, and I think why they tune in to a Floyd fight is because they want the possibility of him losing. And I think, uh, you know, given the benefit of these, uh, you know, six years having passed, Floyd is obviously older now, you know, 42 years old. Canelo is in his prime. He looks great. So I think Canelo would be favored in that fight. And I think people would watch because of that. And uh, Oscar, he knows how to make money. And 1.5 billion. I was on the FaceTime with him, Bruce, and, and he when he told me that, that blew me away because that is a massive number. I mean, when you think of the numbers that Connor and Floyd drew, and then when you think that Oscar's saying that this could draw double that, that's insane. Yep, it is. It is insane. And another thing, I mean, more power to him. If the money's there and it draws the people in, they do draw big numbers, then fine. Just go for it, Okay. I don't know if my brother will be able to announce it because he's exclusive to DAZN and Matchroom Boxing, but you know what? It'd be a fun fight to watch as it always would when Floyd's in the ring or when Canelo's in the ring. Let's talk about another ring. Everybody 
wants to fight each other. It seems like everybody's calling each other out these days. You know, Cejudo saying he'll box Floyd Mayweather. Well, of, of course you are, you will, Henry. I mean, the money would be there. It's a guaranteed financial return. As Conor McGregor, you know, realized and reaped, even though it wouldn't be that much money because of the draw factor of Conor McGregor, not that Cejudo is not a draw. I think he's getting more and more popular. But here's one that's interesting. You know, Vitor Belfort now is not on contract to UFC, but he's on contract to the one championship MMA promotion, right? right. right. So he challenges Roy Jones Jr., I want to come challenge you for a boxing match, but in the condition he's able to dirty box with you. TJ, explain to our audience what dirty boxing means. Uh, that would be a combination of wrestling and boxing. You uh, put your opponent up against the fence or the ropes and uh, you know pepper the body, hold on to them, punch them, things you can't do in boxing, which is why it's called dirty boxing. <laughs> well, Roy's response that is that, yes, absolutely would love to fight him. He says he'd like eight weeks. Because then he'd like to get everything right. He needs another two weeks just to make sure he can showboat. Because he would want to showboat. That's the way Roy fights. But even in six weeks, he can whip you. Right. I'll, so, I'll see Roy tomorrow because he's my boss here at Island Fights. And uh, maybe I can get him to comment a little bit further. I know he responded, but uh, I'm curious if this is more than you know just jaw jacking. Well, I, I, I think it is, uh, TJ. I, I FaceTimed with him yesterday. He said that. First of all, the money has to be there. And Roy believes that with one, that the money the money can get to a point where it's worth his time because you know, I'm not just doing things for free anymore. But like Bruce said, he said, six weeks and I'll whoop you, eight, so I can do my showboating. Right. But he sounds serious about this. And he respects the or he said, look, you're one of the greats in, in the sport. Uh, you're a legend. But since Muhammad Ali passed, I think I'm the baddest dude walking the face of this earth. And at least my take was that this wasn't a joke or a publicity stunt that he's down. Just like when, um, you know, Michael B. Jordan called him out. I think Roy was serious about that also. If somebody wants a fight and he'll get paid, he's willing to, to step in there and uh, throw some punches. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's still got a lot of talent and skill. Uh, there's, there's no questioning that my, my only thing is this, if Roy Jones Jr. has another fight, I think there's only one fight that I want to see, uh, happen. It would be a super fight. Not a lot of people are talking about it anymore. Uh, but this was the sort of crossover fight that a lot of people wanted in the, uh, the mid to late, uh, you know, 2000s, 2010. Uh, I want to see Roy Jones Jr. box Anderson Silva. Now with you saying that, I saw Roy, I think I mentioned this on the show a week after, but I saw Roy at the ESPN show in Phoenix uh, a few weeks ago, right? Roy came up to me, gave me the big hug, how you doing? And by, by the way, TJ, please give Roy my best when you see him. Um, and we talked about the Anderson Silva fight. Absolutely, he wants to box Anderson Silva. He wants to stay active. So I really think he has great ability in the boxing world, not the MMA world, but in the boxing world. Um, and I remember when Roy was commentating a K1 many, many, many years ago, and I was with him because Michael was working at that time. I was doing the undercard. And I said to Roy after the first couple of bouts, I said, Roy, you want to do that? He goes, no way. <laughs> I don't want to get hit in the leg. No way. He said, I'm sure he still feels that way, as most boxers do, too. We'll see. Right, Roy's but I want to see him it. box Anderson Silva. I don't want to see him fight in mixed martial arts. I don't want to see him kickbox. I want to see them box. Absolutely, I do too, and I know Anderson would love to also. So who knows? Maybe it would still happen before you know everybody gets too long in the tooth. Yeah, That's I'm it. hoping with the Roy Jones and Dana deal that maybe something could be worked out. Roy said he has bad knees, so that's why he can't take the kicks. But 
if they could make that boxing match, that'd be something fun to watch. I'll use that excuse next time I come up against a guy in an MMA fighter that wants to take me down. I'll, I'll try that same excuse. My knee is hurt. <laughs> yeah, my knee is hurt. We'll see if that works. <laughs> All right. Now, Michael, you got 10 more minutes, Michael? Yeah, I got 10 minutes. Okay. So now a couple of stories here that I got to tell you, I want to touch on two in particular. First off, congratulations to Kylie Jenner. She's now the world's youngest self-made billionaire. I think we all see all the stuff about her. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you want to laugh at what the Kardashians do or not, the bottom line is they're proving themselves to their demographic to be some of the greatest self-marketers of all time. So now Kylie Jenner, at a very young age, is the world's youngest self-made billionaire. Congratulations, Kylie. Hope you do a lot of good for the world. Let's see the charity work come through. Not much to comment on there. One of the next story, um, Larry Bear taking leave from the Giants. Did you watch the video, TJ, of Larry Bear and his wife and what happened? No, I didn't see it. Uh, he, Michael, tell us about that real quick. And do you think that – I talked to I talked to a friend, and she thought it wasn't that bad what happened. I have to disagree. You know, you, you put your hands on a woman, no matter how you put your hands on her, and the reaction, wife or not, excuse or not – that's one thing. But then when I heard what her excuse trying to cover for her husband, and I understand the loyalty there, but it sounded so contrived, rehearsed, and oh. and whatever when I read that excuse. Uh, yeah, absolute nonsense. It took Larry three times to get to an appropriate apology, in my opinion. But let me set it up first. Friday at a public park in San Francisco, Larry Bear and his wife, Pam, are having a verbal argument that goes on for anywhere between three to four minutes. There's a whole bunch of people around. And uh, at a point, uh, you know, where you'll see on our video, Larry tries to grab a cell phone that's in her hand. And in the process of trying to grab that phone, he, uh, he brings her right to the ground. She's screaming. It's a blood curdling scream, which is really disturbing to hear in my opinion. At that point, the video shuts off because the, the, the witnesses and the guy that were, was recording, he ran over because he felt like he needed to interject because something really bad might happen. So they two guys, they tell me, put their hands on Larry. At that point, he stopped and essentially kind of hightailed it out of the area. But uh, like you said, Bruce, the apology where Pam was trying to cover for her, her husband saying that her foot was hurt and that's somehow how she fell out of a chair. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, Larry gave two uh, really crappy apologies for lack of a better term in my opinion before finally taking some responsibility saying that he understands he did something wrong pledging to get better and saying that he was going to take a leave of absence from the giants and now make no mistake about it he's the most powerful guy in that organization he's the president he's the ceo and he's a part owner i mean he is the san francisco giants taking a leave of absence is in a certain way a statement of guilt okay to a degree it's also a way to let things calm down. So if this man suffers from past experiences of anger management, whatever, for the benefit of his marriage, who knows what this situation was. You wonder, you know, was he fooling around or whatever? All these conjectures could happen in your head and the wife saw it because obviously it had something to do with something on that telephone. All that being said, you don't put your hands on a woman, now, period. Be uncomfortable, Bruce, to the entire thing. And that wouldn't have been right in, in private. Don't get me wrong here. But the fact that, he so willingly did that to her in a public park in the city where he's very well known. That made me uncomfortable. And I'm not saying he's ever done anything in his past. And I haven't heard that he has. But it did make you uncomfortable. And it does a little bit make you wonder if he's doing this in a park. Is there anything else happening behind the scenes? Yeah, exactly. So, again, 
it's all room for conjecture at this point until it comes out. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, you you play, you pay. That's, that's what I always say. You play, you pay. Now let's talk about the last story before I let you go. Okay, Michael, this is hard for me, okay? I am reading about Oprah Winfrey being the target of ruthless, hateful messages from Michael Jackson fans due to her two-part series on Michael Jackson uh, involving the pedophilia accusations, everything, the truth coming out from his accusers after the, the trial, the second trial that took place, now coming forward and, and admitting that uh, horrific sexual things did happen to them, the confusion in their minds expressing love for him in one case, in the uh, case of Wade Robson to others. Um, I watched this special last night, or this film on HBO, uh, which is put together by Oprah Winfrey. Michael, this is one of the most disgusting, disturbing hours or two hours I have ever watched. It really, really affected me because of the nature of all that's going on. I don't think, after I watch this, and there's people trying to come to his protection, but when you hear these people talk and the way that this was put together, I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to listen to another Michael Jackson song as long as I live. It's difficult. It's difficult because of how loved he was, is uh, somebody that so many of us idolized. And when you try to put how famous he was in perspective, uh, you know, to people today and you, when they say, oh, is he like Beyonce? No, he's he's twice as big as Beyonce. I mean, this this guy was a star like we've never seen. And then to watch these two men who in my mind come across as so believable, so genuine, mm -hmm. detailing uh, horrific sexual abuse when they were seven, 10 years old. It's, it's hard to listen to. And it's, it's, it's so upsetting. And um, like you said, there are people attacking Oprah who believe that uh, she was too one-sided here. And uh, there are people who are angry and are directing vicious attacks at her. For, for hosting a special and asking questions. Uh, this, this story is terrible. It's so clear we're in a different world now. This reminds me a lot of R. Kelly, and there had been uh, the, uh, the allegations that we, or most of us, knew about for years and years about R. Kelly, and it finally took that surviving R. Kelly docuseries to come out, and then people really started paying attention, and I think the same thing is happening with uh, Leaving Neverland, and uh, it's it's sad. It's it's sad and it's disgusting. Yeah, it is sad. Um, direct question: Do you believe it all to be true? In my opinion, those guys were believable. I my gut tells me that those uh, two men uh, were, you know, Wade and James are sitting up there and they were telling the truth. I, I obviously have no proof one way or the other, and I'm I'm very well aware of that in the past that they had completely denied any of this uh, happened. But when I watch them, I believe them. I have to say I do too. TJ, I don't, I'm sure you haven't watched this. And I will say one thing. If you do watch it, please do not have your son in the same room. It is not for a young boy to watch. Um, and the sexual abuse that was taken on, uh, for instance, the one individual, uh, he said basically it was from the age of 7 to 14 years old. And in the case of Wade Robson, he went on to be one of the top choreographers. You know, the guy, the guy had an amazing career. But you could see, you could see the classic examples of delayed, subliminal, mental uh, 
not wanting, digging deep and hiding what happened in his own mind that came out later, the effects that you see on these two individuals in their lives. Right. It's Rich- got to be so hard for them to, to reconcile, especially with Wade when he was talking about how much he idolized Michael and then to have these things happen to you and feelings that you don't understand when you're just a young child. I can't imagine how that uh, affected him back then and even now and forever will, really. I mean, will he ever get over that if that happened? I mean, how could he? Well, pedophilia is something that personally, unless you want to prove me wrong or Docs wants to prove me on, I don't think it's curable. I mean, how do you cure it? And uh, TJ, our, our buddy of the show, John Anik, he put out on a Twitter how the gym teacher at his school who was fr- he's friends with and everything that his kids have been going to school with for two years was just arrested, arrested for uh, all the stuff they found on his computer involving pedophilia. Very disturbing to me as a godfather and uncle, much less to if I was a parent. Uh, you know what disturbed me also, Bruce, and I, I know we have to go here, but the parents question how and were they just so intoxicated by Michael Jackson's fame to allow a grown man in his 30s to to take their child and to have him sleeping in the bedroom. I just wonder where the parents were and why they didn't do something to stop this, even if they didn't know what was going on, just on its face, that this is not normal. Absolutely agree with you. That was extremely disturbing. And the fact that even one mother said she was in the same house and it was happening in the next room. TJ, example, as a father, you go and stay at a famous person, or it doesn't even matter, a friend's house. Would you allow your your nine, ten, seven, whatever year old son to sleep in the same bed of the home you're staying at as the man that owns it? No. In this case, Michael Jackson. Would you ever no. allow that? No. So, so there is blame to be put on the parents for not parenting properly. I'm sorry, I have to say it. Am I wrong? No. I could not agree with you more. Yeah. Very disturbing, TJ. I'm telling you, if you watch this. It's almost like watching, I don't know if it's worse than when I watch, when I watch the Ted Bundy special on Netflix, which is another one of the most horrific uh, documentary or film products you will ever watch. Both of these, extremely disturbing on extremely different disturbing levels. And I actually, i got to stop talking about it right now, Michael, because I'm getting sick to my stomach. It was very disturbing to watch that show last night. And if you want to watch it, folks listening, go ahead, because this is... It, it's very well done. It's it, HBO. It's worth watching. It's beautifully done, like you said, but it is tough to watch. It's hard. My brother Michael watched it. He told me he had to turn it off three times and then turn it on again. That's how disturbing it was. And quite honestly, I did the same thing twice. I had to turn it off and then take a couple breaths and go back to watch it again. So we'll leave it at that, folks. That's all I can tell you. Um, going on, Michael, you, you got busy. You've got to get back to work. You have something. If you have something else, Bruce, I got a few more minutes. Okay. Uh, speaking of, uh, I, I just bought this book. Okay. I bought it for my mom to read, for me to read. Have you and its TMZ report, uh, about the Godfather actor Giannani Russo, uh, who just wrote his book, uh, called Godfather actor that's coming out and the stories he tells in this book. Did you guys touch on this at all? No, we didn't. Good book though. Oh my God. From what I'm reading here, I mean, Gianni Russo was always self-acclaimed and acclaimed by other people to actually be a real gangster. Okay, he was a, he worked with the uh, Frank Costello mob boss. Okay, he was one of his regular cu- who was one of his regular customers, and um, this all started. He claims back he knows who killed Marilyn Monroe. 
He makes claims about the Kennedy brothers being involved with Marilyn Monroe. He tells stories about Elvis Presley. He tells stories about how when The Godfather came out, uh, he got into a big hassle with Marlon Brando and basically told him he'd put him six, you know, put him under if he kept on with him and they wound up becoming really good friends. If you enjoy old Hollywood and if you enjoy all these different subjects and you enjoy reading from the mouth of someone who self-acclaimed and from other things I read is a true mobster, even talks about two murders he committed, one of which in a well-known Italian restaurant in Vegas that I ate at back in the, in the uh, late 60s, early 70s when I was a kid with my parents, which was his restaurant that he openly shot somebody in the restaurant and killed them at one point and was not, and did not, I, if I'm not mistaken, did not go to jail for it because of the mitigating circumstances. This is just filled with, with story after story after story and, and the claims on the Kennedys and Marilyn Monroe and how she was killed. Very disturbing. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff here, man. This I is love te- Hollywood and I love, I love mafia stuff. This sounds like a book I got to read. I definitely, definitely am reading it. Um, and you know what, if I could just say to you, I would check it out. I would, I would check it out and see if you, if you, uh, want to buy it and oh, not buy it. Excuse me. Report on it. Report. on yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I absolutely will. It sounds great. Yeah. Let me give you the exact name. It's called Hollywood Godfather, my life in the movies and the mob. I'm going to eat this up on the plane. I got to come. It's not going to be released till March 12th. Maybe it's a good story for TMZ. Take all the credit, Michael. I don't need <laughs> no. any. <laughs> I, all the credit to you, Bruce. I'm gonna <laughs> this though. I'm I'm excited about this. Now I gotta wait a couple of days though to, to actually get my hands on it. That's all right. Take care of it. Um, I'll shoot you the uh, uh, the article I have, so you have a little research. You got it, Michael. Always a pleasure to have you on the show. Life is good. I hope. Anything you want to report? Anything you want to pitch? Anything you want to say about yourself to our audience? Uh, here's your moment, my friend. Yeah. Go for it. Everything is great. I appreciate you having me on, Bruce. Thank you, TJ. Always love doing this. Anytime you want me, just let me know. I had a lot of fun. Thanks, brother. And I hope to come in the TMZ offices and do some work with you soon, my friend. You're always welcome. Thanks, Bruce. I right, Take care, Michael. Give my best to everybody. I'll see you all soon. Okay. Bye-bye. See you, Bye-bye Mike. now. See you, Jake. There he is, Mike Babcock. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. He's, you know, he's a great guy. I mean, just even in person, he's one of the most courteous, classy individuals I've met. You know how I am about that. And uh, nothing but good things to say about him. And uh, he's working his way up. You know, he's worked his way up to a very good position at TMZ, and I wish him all the benefits of all of that. Yeah, and he's uh, learned a little bit about mixed martial arts, but uh, I think he's given that bulldog choke a little too much credit. <laughs> Maybe so, but you know what? Not everybody's as skilled as you are and as adept as you are. Oh, in no, knowledge. no. For the record, Ben yeah. Askren puts me in any sort of headlock, I'm tapping. <laughs> uh, me too. Okay, last report, a little collectible talk. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the legendary NBA uh Title ring holder for the Los Angeles Lakers, one of Former the most famous airline bas- pilot in that movie. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, his partner wondering if anybody's ever watched Gladiator movies. Right, uh, that goes yeah, back to our other yeah. story. I don't even want to go there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that being said, uh, he has his title rings and memorabilia, which have, which were up for auction. And on Sunday at Golden Auctions, he just sold three, almost three million dollars in memorabilia was auctioned off and i'll give you an example his 1987 nba championship ring sold for three hundred ninety-eight thousand nine hundred thirty-seven dollars his 85 nba championship ring sold for three hundred forty-three thousand seven hundred dollars his game used basketball inscribed from his last nba career point scoring 
270,000. 1980 NBA ring, 245,000. 88 championship ring, 245,000. Trophy from 71 MVP, 76 MVP, 74 MVP, all averaged about 123,000. On and on and on and on. Game used jersey, 47,000. I'm trying to find something here. This a personal purple and gold bass bass Fender guitar gifted to Abdul Jabbar. That could probably be from Prince, being purple. $14,000. Game wore goggles. Those goggles he used to wear all the time, $12,000 plus. Right? Workers. Uh, Clinton and Hillary Clinton, Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton letters to Abdul Jabbar signed by Bill Clinton, $8,500. What I want to think, oh, Gruen's something cool here. Let's see here. I'd buy that. I mean, if I, had, if I had stupid amounts of money, a letter written by a president to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. And uh, Game of Death poster, the movie he was in with Bruce Lee. Something is right down my alley. Yeah, $6,100. I'm surprised wow. that's, that's on the wall already. Well, that's an example of a poster selling for probably five times more than it's worth because he probably signed it. Right, okay? yeah. I'd have to check my, uh, my, my things. Karate Illustrated cover with Bruce Lee, $5,200. Dang. Uh, there's some That'd be cool stuff. to have, too. be really cool to have. Yeah, I mean, really, it's re- funny. Like, the things that I want out of that stuff are, like, the cheapest items. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but, uh, I mean, I guess that's good. Like, if I ever wanted to get in that game, like, the things that I actually want are somewhat affordable, but not really. Oh, I just got excited by something. I have the original Simpsons script that was signed by the cast what? that Michael Buffer was in, right, when, when we did The Simpsons years really? ago. Really? He sold a Simpsons cast signed script, a note from producer Bonnie Vitelli in it. And an original animation cell, that's one of the real values right there. Yeah. That I do not have. But that sold for $2,800. Yeah, I mean, that's it's it's a one-of-a-kind sort of thing. Yeah, there's a whole bunch more here. I don't want to take too much time to see if there's anything in particular. It's all interesting. Uh, Abdul-Jabbar owned Tan Saddle for a horse, 1600 um, it's weird though like we get these weird like auxiliary things that don't really have anything to do with his legacy they were just you know belonged to him or gifted to him um, eh, I don't know I, I guess you know it goes back to like what I what I was we were talking about something that uh, you had and you didn't know if you were going to throw it out or something and I told you to you know keep it because one day Henry or Rupert will you know be able to have something that that belonged to you uh, and they could sell it or something but like I just is these weird like ancillary things that you know there there's value to when you don't necessarily think there there would be a market for it right. Exactly. And um, uh, speaking of which, Market Ford, you know how I put my cards for charity up yeah, yep. you know, on eBay. Well, now I, I work with a, the fine company called Instagraphs.com. And mm. Tyler Feldman over there, he is now auctioning off certain cards. Uh, we're going to be donating proceeds uh, to the Wildlife Way Station again, which is in dire need of money right now. I want to help them out. Sure. So we're, we're putting four sets of cards on that are going to be sold under cards as a group main cards individually like we did with right. the cyborg Nunes card so as of this show's airing uh the ufc 235 cards the first show in espn in phoenix the prog cards and i think ufc 234 are all going up for auction i'll advertise it 
or promote it on my Instagram and Twitter with the connection there. But again, this auction is being run by Instagraphs. They are the ones with the cards now. This is not me doing it. It's Instagraphs, but they do a very, very fine job. And on my auction page there, I'm going to be adding a lot more. One cool thing mm-hmm. that's going to be coming up, TG, you'll like this. The company that makes all the helmets for the um, for the NCAA, right. okay, is uh, all the helmets the football players wear. Mm-hmm. I forget what they're called. I think it's Rydell. Uh, no, it's another company. Oh. I'll give it to you Is in a second. Schultz but or sh- shoot. Yeah. Y- yes. Yes. Got it. Yes. Yep. Yes. It's uh, shoot. So shoot now is going to be auction, not auctioning off, but they are making me my own personalized shoot helmet with my image on it. It's time on it. They're making it for me just purposeful, but we're going to put it up for auction. Um, uh, through Instagrass, and if people want to order one for themselves, sign and everything else, they will be available. I thought it and, was for you in case you fall down inside the octagon. <laughs> well, no, what I did tell him, I says, when you make this, make it really big because I have a fat head. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, and that, I, that I, one I've, always, I've always heard from people that, that you have a big head, Bruce. I, I don't know if they're well, talking about size or figurative. The, I, don't, I don't know. The, they probably caught me in a profile because, you know, it, it definitely, I'm an eight, like I told you, I'm an eight and a quarter, eight and that's a half head. A, I could not yeah. put on hats. That's a gigantic yeah. melon. Check your text. I just sent you the picture. All right, cool. Looking at See it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that's cool. Isn't that cool? That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm honored by that. Um, lots of things happening. Going to be reporting some new stuff over coming over in the next few months. But TJ, it was a good show today. Uh, anything you want to tell the audience? Time to take off. No, uh, go back and watch Island Fights. It's available now for you on UFC Fight Pass. And uh, I'm pretty proud of myself. Five or uh, Four shows in five weeks on Fight Pass uh, end up uh, all told uh, six shows in eight weeks or so here in a few weeks. So uh, it's been a pretty busy year to my, uh, my, my start of 2019. Oh, that's really awesome, man. You know, it's been a busy start for me, too. I have two weekends home in the next three months. Excited about all the UFCs and the other events I'll be doing. Um, we'll announce the other events as they go on. So, TJ, again, really like the show today. Love having Michael Babcock on. Always a pleasure to be with you, of course. Next week, we have Michael J. White uh, back on the show. He's got a new movie out with Michael Bisping. He's going to be our guest next week on the show. Looking forward to talking with Michael, who was also at the UFC this weekend. What a beast he is. Jeez, what a beast. Um So we'll have him on the show. And with that being said, TJ, I'm going to say goodbye. I'm going to wish everybody out there a great week. I want everybody to be the best you can be. Be a role model to your sphere of influence. Set your goals. Write them down. Get ready to set on that path to future success. And just be the best you can be. Practice, train, be the best you can be, and you'll always be winning. That's what it's all about, folks. Give it your best shot, and you're always winning. And you have our full support from me, TJ, and everybody involved with This Time Radio. Because that's all we like to talk about. We like to talk about winning, being positive, being happy, healthy, prosperous, and all that goes with leading a good quality life. Have a great week, everybody. No UFC from me this weekend. Enjoy the one from Wichita. I'm sorry I will not be there. But I will see you the following week from London at the O2 Arena. Cheers, everybody. Buffer out. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal. A safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller. I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer. (laughs) Piano tuner or plumber. 
Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal.